Another one. It is Thursday, January 23rd. This is Stuart. This is Neil. Ooh, we're starting off today with some good news. Stuart, do you know what the good news is? What's the good news? Today, we can actually tell the public what we have for our social media. We have Instagram and... You said Instagram, aka IG? Don't forget about Twitter. We got Twitter too. So if you want to reach us, you can reach us at InfosecXNews1. And we have the one because we're number one. We're the most secure podcast. Don't forget that. Before we get into the topics today, did you hear the news or the headlines about that guy that owns 50 million shares of Amazon stock? Mr. Bezos. Yes, Mr. Bezos. It seems like his phone was hacked by Saudi prince. But they actually denied it. I think the Saudi prince was saying that he had no you know, idea or any involvement in it. Which is kind of hard to believe with all the stuff that's been going on over there. It's just interesting to hear that this happened in 2018, but we're still hearing about it. But, you know, if we hear more about it, we'll bring you more news regarding that. Perfect. But what topics do we have on the agenda today? So in today's agenda, we got that new new. New new. Topic one could be a big win if this new legislation is passed. It would require an appointment of cybersecurity leaders for each state. Topic two, cyber criminals are finding different ways to make a quick dollar by selling access to company networks. Those mules inside the network. And our last topic is voters in Seattle will be the first, the first to vote. Primero. Via a smartphone for the U.S. election. Going back to the first article, the Cybersecurity State Coordinator Act of 2020. The goal of this proposed law is to improve intelligence sharing between states and federal governments to speed up incident response times in case of a cyber attack. So if the nation is attacked from one state to another, they're gonna share the information to mitigate risk between the states. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This sounds like a made up position. Where'd you find this article? <laughs> no, this is a real thing. It was reported by Sarah Coble from Information Security Magazine. All right, all right, I believe you and Sarah, but I think Sarah may have more credibility than you. <laughs> But what is this position going to be called? And what are some of the responsibilities? Funny you ask. It's a really fancy position. It's called the Principal Federal Cybersecurity Risk Advisor, which means they'll be coordinating efforts to prepare for, respond to, and remediate cyber attacks. Ooh, so I think this may be a position for me. <laughs> Before you get ahead of yourself, how about you figure out what this responsibility actually requires? So based on some of the research I did, some of the responsibilities would be to raise awareness for operation, technical, financial resources available to non-federal entities from the federal government. Not only that, but this coordinator also has to go in and do training exercises. They have to plan for a continuity of the operations. They also need to make sure that they can provide a swift recovery in case of a cybersecurity incident. I'm looking at your face right now, and I don't think you're ready for this position. I'm just sitting here thinking, wait, this I may need some more <laughs> training. Some a, lot, more. <laughs> a lot more training. I don't think you know what some this Some more requires. job experience. I may have to wait this one out. But let's say, hypothetically speaking, I become the principal federal cybersecurity risk advisor of California, and you become the advisor of Atlanta. What you're telling me is that we can work in unison to make sure that we know what's going on in between the two states or any other state, matter of fact. First of all, Atlanta will be tough because we're getting hacked all the time. But yes, <laughs> you're right. What this will do is that we pretty much will share the data between each other. And then we say, hey, be on the lookout for this type of cyber attack. If this happens, it might be coming your way. You might get hit next. And you're proactively protecting the state against that. That's why this is so important. And it just goes to show that cybersecurity is becoming more and more relevant now more than ever due to all the technology that we use. With that big title, it seems like this would be a position that would make good money. Hopefully this proposed law is passed soon, not only for the money, but because it would protect the US. 
I already sent my resume and don't worry about it. Get in line. <laughs> if this does get passed, we'll definitely bring it to you here on Information Security News. Speaking of big money, cyber criminals have actually found a different way to make money, and that is by selling access to company networks. This is the mule that we brought up earlier. These clever mules, what they're doing is they're attacking the managed service providers to gain access to the client's organizations. Once they have that access, the cyber criminals are going one step ahead. They're offering access to these compromised networks at different prices on the underground markets. Interesting. Do you know what some of the starting prices are? They start from about $1,000 and onwards. And then some prices can go as high as $4,500, depending on how deep they want to get into this network. Did you hear that? $4,500. That just goes to show you that these aren't small-time hackers. $4,500 is a lot of money. These big-time hackers are focusing on the MSP, the managed service providers. Hold on, wait. Do you know what a managed service provider is? Can you please elaborate? MSP is a company that remotely manages a customer's IT infrastructure and or end-user system typically on a proactive basis and under a subscription model. In layman's term, you're hiring a third-party company to manage part of your business. For example, your service desk, cloud services, security operations center, penetration testing, etc. What this means for you as a consumer, here you are going to a company that uses a third party to manage some of the service within their company. They turn around and sell that on the dark web. Yeah, but what are they actually selling on the dark web? The type of access that they offer includes set of executive level credentials, very scary, Administration of various content management portals like law firms, schools, hospitals. Also, direct access to the mail servers and root access, which is like godlike access to any server. With all that happening, please tell us how we can reduce the risk. Some of the ways to reduce risk are definitely enabling multi-factor authentication, restricting the use of known adversarial tools, network segregation, and as well as monitoring network traffic to and from public sharing and collaboration services. So what Stuart is basically saying is that if you're using collaboration services and an MSP, the MSP is going to use that to their advantage because that's a vulnerable point for them to go into the network. And that's how they would share this information on the dark web. Neil, perfect segue talking about vulnerability. This next article is interesting. As you guys may recall, four years ago, Russia interfered in the presidential election with cyber attacks. Papa Putin. <laughs> so this year, a district encompassing greater Seattle is set to become the first in which every voter can cast a ballot using a smartphone. The home of Starbucks. When you're there getting your hot cup of joe. Or you pumpkin can... spice latte. <laughs> oh my God. If you're into that, <laughs> sure. But when you're there on your phone, you can be casting your ballot right there inside of Starbucks. But do you honestly think this is a good idea considering phones are hackable? Uh, funny you say that. The reason why is that the cybersecurity community, right, generally has a consensus that this is a very stupid idea. They think that you're putting garbage in and you're getting garbage out. Okay, let me break this down for you. So what you're going to do is you're going to go on your phone, your device, then you're going to log in with your name and their birth date. Once you get on your phone, you're going to go to the portal. Then the portal is going to take you where you cast your ballot. They're going to verify your submission and then submit a signature signature via touchscreen on your device. That's it. I can see why cybersecurity experts say that this is garbage, but there is a good thing about this. So you don't have to necessarily submit your ballot electronically. You can fill it out and then print it and either drop it off at a designated drop-off location or put it in the mail. I don't know. I'm still worried about this whole thing, but I can see that in the future, this might come in handy. I think there need to be a little bit more tight on the security. 
once that's all figured out, then there might be some hope in the future. So sorry to ruin your hopes and dreams. I know you want to have that pumpkin spice latte while you vote inside of Starbucks, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that right now. Let me enjoy my pumpkin spice latte. Don't mess with a man and his pumpkin <laughs> spice latte. So because I covered the topics earlier today, how about you cover the recap? <laughs> that was real smooth, but I'll take care of the recap. The first thing we had was the Cybersecurity State Coordinator Act of 2020. Although this law is not passed yet, it is in talks and hopefully it does get passed this year. So each state will have a, a coordinator. The second topic we talked about was the MSP, managed service providers. Cyber criminals are going in, they're at selling access to the company networks through the managed service provider on the dark web. And then of course, the third topic, the home of Starbucks, they're going to have voter registration and ballots casting on your smartphone device. And that does it for today's podcast. Thank you for joining the most secure podcast. We'll catch you next week. The podcast you just heard is intended to serve for informational purpose only and is not intended to offer any sales of any sort. The views discussed reflect our personal opinion and is not intended to sway you one way or another. Information security news is independently operated by student.